Welcome to Books and Beyond with your host, Alison. Join us for half an hour of information, entertainment, reading recommendations and beyond. Brought to you by Auckland Libraries. I know this girl and she works in a library, yeah. No my hi my Kiara and welcome to our Books and Beyond Literary Lounge Lockdown Edition with Alison and Inika. Kiara Inika. Yoda Alison. Well, today we are celebrating the freedom to read because it's International Banned Books Week. Yes, it is. Now, Banned Books Week was launched in the USA in 1982 in response to a sudden surge in the number of challenges they were receiving to books in schools, bookstores and libraries. Yeah. Now, um, it's usually held during the last week of September and the aim of Banned Books Week is to highlight the value of free and open access to information. So this week brings together the whole uh, book community. So that includes librarians, booksellers, publishers, journalists, teachers and readers of all types. And we all share the support of the freedom to seek and to express ideas even those ones that some consider to be unorthodox or unpopular. Yep, that's right. The theme of this week's book, uh, Band Books Week is Books Unite Us, Censorship Divides Us. Yeah, that's right. Now, I've got to have a little giggle here because when I was um, preparing for our recording this morning, I misread Books Unite Us and I misread it as Books Untie Us. (laughs) But um, yeah, it's kind of hilarious and embarrassing. But I kind of think that's actually a really cool thing because a good book should probably untie the reader, don't you reckon? Um, And then the reader can examine some of their pre-existing beliefs or prejudices, fears, aspects of their worldview. Absolutely, I agree. Yeah, it really, really a good book should shake up our own vision and the version of the world that we have and hopefully leave it sort of deeper and definitely more interesting than, than it was before. Yeah, yeah. So look, here's to books untying us. (laughs) <laughs> um, and as long as you get put back together again at the end of it. And um, you know how I love lists, eh? Well, yep. now, every year the American Library Association publishes a list of the top 10 most challenged books. And the, these challenges usually come from parents or and or parent-run school boards. And it's always a really interesting read. Um of, you know, this top 10 most challenged books. Mm. So in recent years, the the list has been dominated by um, people's objections to LGBTQI plus content. And um, it's about, for about the third year in the row, the book George by Alex Gino has been the most challenged book. Now, it's actually, I find it a really delightful book. Mm. Um George is by a genderqueer author, Alex Gino, and it's about a transgender child who wants to play Charlotte in the, in the school play, um, and Charlotte as opposed to playing Wilbur. And um, so the, the book's aimed at kids aged, I don't know, 8 to 12, and we've got hard copies of it in the library, but it's also available on Overdrive ebook and e-audiobook, along with other really super titles by Alex Gino. 
But um, interesting, interestingly, in the last year, so from 2020, however, there's been a, a quite a big increase in the number of books challenged for including anti-racism and the Blacks. Black Lives Matter content. And this includes those best-selling titles by the acclaimed Black American authors, um, Jason Reynolds, uh, Ibram X. Kendi, and Angie Thomas. Mm. And they've been challenged for being so-called anti-police. And then also, on the other sort of end of the spectrum, you could say two classics are still on the at the challenge list, um, and those are Of Mice and Men and To Kill a Mockingbird, and they've been challenged for their negative impact on students and for the use of racial slurs, mm. which those classic um, mid-20th century authors did use sort of quite um, clunky racial slurs, which do really jar these days. Yeah, I remember that from your Steinbeck um, episode. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a really interesting um, sort of two sides of the um, debate um, situation here. We've got going. I've got a really good quote from a school library journal article on um, the top twenty. Um, sorry, the top ten twenty twenty list, and um, uh, librarian um, Ms. Palazzari has said. The traditional view of censorship is that conservatives want to censor books and liberals want you to be able to read everything. Over the last several years, she says, that has not been the case. We've actually seen a lot of progressive voices or people who would consider themselves liberal pushing to ban books. These people are using social justice as the reason for their objections. It's never really been true that one side is censorous and the other side is not, says Palazzaro. Censorship is an equal opportunity issue. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting point, isn't it? Now, um, the author, um, Jason Reynolds, um, who wrote with um, Ibram X. Kendi um, the book Stamped, Racism, Anti-Racism and You, um, ended up being number two on this year's top ten banned Mm -hmm. challenge books. Um, Now, by the way, we've got these books available on Overdrive um, e-audio as well as hard copy. But um, Jason Reynolds was asked about this push to ban young people's literature, especially um, the titles that discuss racism and really centre um, BIPOC and LGBTQI plus stories. And he had an interesting thing to say. He said, I think books for young audiences are banned most often because many adults in their infinite fear believe it's better to shield young people than to help young people grow to become shields for others. And I thought, what a what an interesting quote. That is a and beautiful little piece of writing, isn't it? it yeah. It so I, well. I really love that. Yeah. Now, um, there was a recent article in New Zealand on the Stuff website, and it was called um, Sensor Sensibility, mm-hmm. quite clever, The Books You Can't Read in New Zealand and Why. So it talks about the situation in Aotearoa um, that there's still actually about 1,300 banned or restricted books in New Zealand. They're mostly hangovers from the 1960s and 70s. And um, it tells us that these days... Books are rarely, very rarely blacklisted in New Zealand, except if they're 
um, considered to promote either extreme violence or certain sexual acts in including coercion and exploitation of children. But some um, newer additions to the list are, now there's one called Secrets of Methamphetamine Manufacture, 8th edition. Mm-hmm. Um, they're trying to keep that Tweaking out of people's that recipe. hands. Mm. Yeah. And also the Christchurch Terrorists Manifesto, which our chief censor, David Shanks, described as quite a disturbing and destructive piece of writing. Mm. And, of course, the video was also called as well. So, yeah, it's a good good point to realise that, of course, censorship happens across books and lots of other content. Uh, Yeah. But for different reasons. Mm. That's right. Yeah, a question we sometimes get asked as librarians is why do we keep books or have books in our library collections that some may find politically incorrect or downright offensive for one reason or another? Now, a foundation of library practice is really protecting the rights of freedom of access to information and you know librarians work in mahi in this area is really wide ranging but for our library customers it really means that when you're browsing and searching through our collections whether you're in the library or online if we're doing our jobs right you should be able to find books and articles that discuss and debate topics from right across the spectrum. Yeah, apart from the very small selection of books that have been classified with age restrictions, everyone can borrow and read anything in our collection straight off the shelves for free and in privacy. Um, the number of titles you usually find on a particular topic will kind of reflect the level of interest from the general public and to a certain extent sort of public opinion. And um, the way we organise and present them means you will find more of the same on the shelf, but you'll also find something different. So you'll find different views, information and ideas on those same subjects and topics right there on the same shelf. Now, this is such an important part of where our local library collections and catalogues and your big box, you know, book retailers, um, particularly ones that are run by algorithms, as they Mm. all all are, um, like Amazon, are going to part ways. You know, on any retail site or social media feeds, Um, you'll have noticed that you tend to get served up piles of more of the same, even when you've already bought that thing and you're quite happy with what you've got, um, rather than something different. Um, Obviously, libraries are not in it for the money. We just want to make sure you can find both, something the same, something different. Something different. Yeah, and then you can make up your own mind. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, that's why I love libraries so much. And I love that serendipity of of browsing and, you know, finding opposing viewpoints. That's right. It's Although the opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, this week, um, we're going to get on to what we've been reading this week. And it turns out that I've, I've finished a couple of books this week that did actually turn out to be super timely for a band big Books Week discussion. So the first one I'm going to talk about is Widowlands by C.J. Carey. Now this is a 2021 publication. It's available on our, in our adult fiction collection, not an ebook or audio book yet, but I'll give you some options at the end of my review. Now this is an alternative history um, and, and it's or speculative sci-fi is another way to describe it. It's set in 1953 in Britain. Now the landscape is quite different. England has been in an uneasy alliance with Germany since 1940. So Churchill and King George VI were deposed or disappeared long ago. And Edward and Wallace Simpson are about to ascend the throne. Um, Hitler's arriving shortly to attend the, the coronation and for a state tour. 
Now, life in England is really quite grim. The spoils of the country are shipped off to the um, to the motherland, to Germany, along with most of the working age men, and this is really hampering any if, if efforts at, uh, at effective resistance. For women in particular, life is extremely grim. Their lives are under strict government control. They they get assigned to a kind of range of castes in their mid-teens um, so far. So Handmaid's Tale. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but instead of hardcore Christian doctrine, the policies um, here follow the Nazi ideals of womanhood. And value is ascribed to people, uh, to women, in relation to their functions to the state. So there's government administrators, there's the child bearers who are creating the next generation, there's factory workers and carers and all different levels. Now our heroine Rose, she's a young English woman, um, she's up the top of the heap um, because she's been blessed with Nordic good looks and she's quite smart and um, in demand. Um, she's in a reluctant relationship with a high-ranking official for the fringe benefits that it brings mostly, including a job. Um, now, her job is to analyse and rewrite sections of classic literature titles to make their plots and language more suitable for consumption in the state-run classrooms. Now, books by subversives like Mary Wollstonecraft, early, you know, one of the first mm. um, feminist writers, and Vita Sackville West have been removed entirely. And discussions about books are not allowed outside of a controlled classroom setting. So, no book clubs. But lines from banned books that have been written by women are starting to appear graffitied on the walls around town and these have messages of resistance and hope for the women. The top suspects in the case are those who have been banished to the Widowlands districts. Now these are the older, childless women who were most importantly educated before the alliance. So these are the dangerous women. Now Rose is asked to go undercover and try and sniff out these offenders and try and pass on that information so they can be disappeared before Hitler gets to town. But Rose is actually secretly a writer herself. She's stashing little little pieces of writing and hiding them under her bed. And she's been finding lots of inspiration and a growing sense of rebellion within the books that she's meant to be censoring. This is a really interesting read. It was quick. It kept a steady pace um, rather than being hugely fast-paced. I did find myself in the last chapter wondering how the author was going to bring it on home, but then it all came to a head in the last few pages. So it's worth hanging in there for those last couple of pages and just to see what happens at the end. There was a few peeves I had with it. Um, They sort of laid out the premise, you know, nice and clearly at the beginning, but then they kept kind of like bringing it up all the way through, which felt a little bit overkill. I was at the point where I was like, yep, I've got the picture. It's a classic patriarchal totalitarian state, you know. I don't have to keep telling me. You don't have to keep telling me. I did fifth form history. Yeah, look, I would say this is a decent entry-level intro intro to alternative history for anyone who's new to that sort of genre. The blurb on the back says that it equals and surpasses The Handmaid's Tale, and, you know, it really, really doesn't. Um, But, you know, the blurbs have to go big or go home when it's a day, right? you got to big it up. Um, You'll find it in our adult adult collection, but I reckon it would be a good read for um, teens and young adults as well, particularly those who might not be ready to handle the jandle of like 1984 or, you know, Atwood. Um, And it was a great reminder of the power of literature, both for good and for evil, and how often those words and languages and changing those are where the thin end of the wedge um, comes in when the the fruit hits the fan politically. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah.
Now, as I said, it's not in our e-collection, so I would say request this one for when we reopen. Or you could try a few earlier titles on similar themes. So um, some earlier alternative histories set in post-World War II environment where the Allies lost the war. Um, So some classics of that genre are um, Philip, Philip K. Dick's The Man in the High Castle from 1962. Um, this was a real breakthrough in this kind of area of writing. And um, this one, that's set in the US. Um, we've got Fatherland by Robert Harris from 1992. Uh, that's available um, as an e-audiobook as well with a BBC full cast recording. Those are all interesting to listen to. And a more recent one is Farthing by Joe Walton. And this is a, a trilogy. Uh, Farthing is the first one. Um, and the, that was written in 2013. So, yeah, try those ones. They're very, very interesting, those alternative history books, they are. aren't they? They yeah. are. So give them a go. Well, look, um, from the sublime to the ridiculous in a way, um, I've been... Now, please don't mock me for this in a okay? Don't <laughs> laugh. But I've been rereading Lace by Shirley Conrad this Ooh, week. Classy. Oh, Yes. Now, that um, is a bit of escapism. That That's the reason I picked it up. I just yeah. needed some pure escapism. Now, this one we've got um, available as in hard copy, but also in Overdrive as an e-book. So um, I'm going to laugh my way through this review. <laughs> now, Lace was first published in 1982, so that's a long time ago. And there was a fair bit of outrage when it was published because it was said to be nothing but a bonk fest. <laughs> Isn't that a wonderful quote? <laughs> so good. And, of course, saying that at the time made every school student like me want to read it. <laughs> so... It, of course, you know, those sort of reviews made it really popular. So it, Lace was challenged and banned from some libraries for a number of years. Mm. But um, so, look, it's pretty trashy, but pretty classy as well. Um, <laughs> now, it's a novel that has a brilliant start. It's got an absolute zinger of a one-liner. So I'll just set the scene because I've got to tell you about this. <laughs> so glamorous film star Lily, who's 28, lures four 45-ish successful glamorous women to her New York hotel suite and says, all right, which one of you bitches is my mother? <laughs> so... Isn't that classic? I just love that. And, of course, it makes you want to keep reading. (laughs) So then after that, the action of the book flashes back almost 30 years and it starts sort of trudging through decades of um, the school, the career and the love life highs and lows of its four leading ladies. So if we rewind to 1948, you've got four young women, two English, one French, one American. They become friends in Switzerland. So we've got Kate, Pagan and Maxine. They're all at a slightly seedy finishing school Mm -hmm. and they befriend Judy, who's from America, who's a poor kid who's working as a waitress to put herself through a, a Swiss foreign languages program. Um, so we have everything in it. We've got um, X-rated film star queens to superstars. We've got breakdowns. We've got sex with all and sundry. We've got PR, fashion, journalism, publishing, interior decoration, <laughs> vineyards, chateaus, drag queens, you name it. 
it's it's in there. Um, and the mystery was, of the birth, of course. And the mystery, yes, of which one of these bitches is actually <laughs> becomes Lily's mum. So um, it was challenged in the 1980s largely because of the depictions of sex outside marriage. And I would say, it's fair to say it is quite a bonk fest, but the the sex scenes really are pretty tame. But when I was reading the book through a 2021 lens, I was quite struck that there wasn't much consent either negotiated or given by the four women when they were still very young and still at school in Switzerland. Mm. And that worried me a little bit. So I wouldn't want to ban the book at all, Um these days, but I'd probably include a, a bit of a trigger warning for today's reading, and it's for today's readers, and it's really just about that issue of consent. Mm. Well, this is probably the flip side of that, you know, speaking of bonk fests and, you know, consent and all sorts of things. Um, my, my next book is Detransition Baby by Tori Peters, um, written in 2021 and available in adult fiction and on Overdrive as an ebook. although there is a bit of a queue on it right now. This probably has the flip. I would say the sex scenes are not tame, but there is consent. So, yeah, how far we've come. Isn't um, that interesting? Yeah, yeah it it's really only is. taken 40 years, yeah, isn't it? That's right. <laughs> um, well, Detransition Baby um, tells the story of three women in their early 30s living in New York. So, we have trans woman Reese, who's in relationships with a couple of problematic men, but is actually looking for true love and a baby. We have her ex who's called Ames or Amy. Um, Ames um, detransitioned from living as a trans woman after um, Reese and and uh, Amy split up or Ames split up. Um, and Katrina, who's Ames' new partner and boss, who's fallen pregnant with Ames' child, who's the baby of the title. And Katrina's feeling pretty ambivalent about the impending birth and this baby. Um, now, Ames in particular is quite freaked out by the idea of fatherhood, but then um, floats a tentative idea to the group. Could this baby be brought up by all three of them? Ah, that's very current, isn't it? Yes, that's right. So modern families. Um, there's a lot of unpacking to be done in the book before the big decision time. Um, she is in early stages of pregnancy. So every character brings their own baggage along with them and they've each got their own kind of complex experiences of womanhood. Um, there's a really gorgeous variety of scenes and setups that the the authors use to show how each character performs gender within different contexts and different different crowds of people in their in their circles. The story is mostly told through Reese and Ames's eyes. Um, they did break up and it was a rough breakup, but they do remain each other's family. You get lots of flashbacks of their lives before each of their transitions and during their relationship. And this really shows how their gen- particular gender identity journeys are quite deeply linked to each other's. Um, the impression I actually got was that Ames may still have been Amy if they had been able to stay together for one reason or another. That's just by interpretation. Um, now, the author, Tori Peters, is a really great writer. She's got a flair for language. And this is a queer domestic drama full of quick wit, hard truths, and lots of unabashed honesty, particularly around desire and sexuality. Now, of course, one person's vanilla is another person's <laughs> banana split with all the toppings. In the spirit of Band Books Week, I would say this book is a great celebration of the fact that our library shelves have room for everyone and everything that those people might do or dream of doing. And, of course, life is always a rich tapestry. 
It's written by a trans woman, Tori Peters, and this book really generously shares the hard realities and the great joys of the lives of her trans characters. And it really highlights the friendships and the support that the queer community has given them. Now, readers may want want to note that this book does include, um, um, because it is obviously um, quite an honest story, it involves uh, includes transphobia and homophobia. There's a scene where someone is outed without their consent. There is domestic violence. There's discussion of um, of birth rights and um, and yeah issues around birth, and there is discussion of suicide as well. Now, Peters has said she wrote a detransition baby for a queer or specifically a trans audience, um, it's actually gone gangbusters with a wide range of readers. And it's made the, this year's long list for the Women's Prize for Fiction. It's a first for a trans woman author. Wow, that's huge, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And now in, pre, you know, in earlier times, this one may have gone to the census table as smut, but this year, you know, it's largely embraced by library readers and probably the more controversial aspect is around the topic of detransition. Um, AIM says in the book that the topic of detransition was boring. Life as a trans woman was difficult and so people gave up. To discuss the possibility of detransition gave hope to the lunacy of bigots who wished that trans women would simply detransition cease to exist in any kind of visible or meaningful way. Wow, that's fascinating. I, I actually can't wait to read that one. Right, right. So, yeah, thanks for that, Inika. Well, I just wanted to quickly um, say that I also, in preparation um, for today, I jumped back into my teens for many, many years ago, and I've been rereading some Paul Zindel books. Oh, some I of, love that author. Yeah, he was a great YA writer, wasn't he? Um, and I just wanted to sort of say that I adored um, Paul Zindel's young adult books um, as a teen. And I found them to be actually quite life-saving, to be really honest. Mm-hmm. So he wrote coming-of-age novels um, like the Pigman, My Darling, My Hamburger. Um, there's... A, a whole catalogue of them, mm. and we have them in the libraries. Um, but I didn't realise at the time when I was reading Paul Zindel and just absolutely adoring them that there was quite a moral panic about them in America. Um, and they were challenged and banned at the times for references to sex um, and the encouragement of rebelliousness amongst teens and also references to marijuana use. But I have to say that as a teen reader, I didn't notice any of those hot button issues. Yeah. Um, they, what changed my life at the time um, were a couple of things, and it was that his characters were kids like me. They were awkward, geeky, they were uncool. Okay. But they were kids that found community and solidarity with each other, and they survived by reading classic novels and bantering with each other, basically. <laughs> And, of course, some of his characters had romantic feelings for each other. But, um, I mean, that was normal, wasn't it? Of course. I would say. Yeah. <laughs> and um, one of the, his, the Zindel books um, had references, a lot of references to the Alice B. Toklas cookbook. Oh. And um, this was another reason why they were 
challenged in bands. Mm. But it was decades before I realised that this book, the Alice B. Toklas cookbook, was actually famous for its depiction of cannabis brownies. Mm. And um, I this went totally over my head. And I can remember my teenage self thinking, wow, Alice B. Toklas sounds like a really interesting person. <laughs> so as a result um, of his books, I remember reading Gertrude Stein quite a bit, who yeah. was actually Alice B. Toklas's wife. That's right. So I wanted to say, did they ask the question, did Paul Zindel damage and corrupt me? And I would say no, quite the opposite. I think Paul Zindel saved me. Mm. And I'm so glad that his books weren't banned here and that I could get them out from the Auckland libraries. It's an absolute triumph. Yeah, yeah. So um, another um, teen author, YA author, Ted Dore, um, a New Zealander, has had this to say, and I'll just quickly quote him, he says, there comes a stage in the life of a child where they make the transition to adulthood. They have to walk free of their family. They have to walk into spaces which may be dangerous. And this is what YA fiction prepares them for. I understand adults who get upset with some of the topics, but often their children are the ones who can't discuss these things with their parents. And in the safety of a novel, they can learn about this. So I guess that's our takeaway message for today. We encourage you to read, seek ideas and information, and remember that books unite us and untie us. Hey, so take care. Happy reading. Hōrērā. Kakite anō. This program was brought to you by Auckland Libraries. Find us online at aucklandlibraries.govt.nz and catch the program next Sunday at 9.35pm on 104.6 FM or anytime online at planetaudio.org.nz slash books and beyond. Every day, every day.